Bienvenidos. This is a podcast that explores Latinx media and culture in its many forms. I am Dr. Rojo Robles. And I am Dr. Rebecca Elsalois. And we are Latinx and Latin American Studies professors at Baruch College in New York City. In this podcast, we will analyze Latinx film, television, literature, art, and cultures. We will consider how these works are perceived, analyze them, and investigate the real-world reflections and implication of that work on Latinx cultures in the U.S. and beyond. Welcome to Latinx Visions. All right, so welcome back. We are gearing up for the end of our semester and a holiday break. It is now December. <laughs> how you feeling about that, Rojo? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm feeling good about it, right? It's always the end of the semester. It's always like uh, uh, everything like it's in your bag, and then it's good to look ahead and think about uh, and think about like uh, good times with family and friends. I'm I'm planning to go with my family to Puerto Rico, uh, so I'm looking forward to that, right? To decompress, yeah, from New York City life and and, and be over there with my people. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. You know, I'm sure I'll be grading up until the moment of traveling. But uh, once that's done, I'm definitely looking forward to, you know, having having January to sort of decompress a bit. You know, we'll we'll travel yeah. a bit and see family for for the holidays. But mostly I just look forward to to being home again. And which is a weird thing to say after two years of basically being forced at home. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're getting used to used to be uh, on our own spaces, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think it might be different next semester because I'm, I'm supposed to be teaching fully in person next semester. So there won't be this sort of back and forth. Are we on campus? Are we not on campus mentality? Yeah. I think this semester has mm -hmm. been tough for that. Yeah, it's been like that. It's, it has been uh, a transitional semester. Yeah, and it has been difficult because of that. Yeah, because transitions are always complicated and always like puts you in a in a very like un, unstable position, mm -hmm. right? So yes, I'm I'm also looking forward to starting uh, a new semester on, on through a different dynamic. Yeah, hopefully, like things will stay safe for us here in New York and uh, hopefully for uh, all over the world. Yeah. But yes. yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, it's something to look forward to kind of like more steady times. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, and just sort of being forgiving to our students as we're wrapping up the semester, you know, if, if we're stressed, they've definitely, they're feeling it too. So we have to keep that in mind. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> and we'll be we'll be looking forward to a new semester, but also a new season of Latinx Visions because today marks our season finale of season one. Mm -hmm, that's right. Uh, so welcome to our season finale episode. <laughs> this week we wanted to go beyond uh, Latinx creative media and look to our community. Yeah, yeah. In this episode, we're going to be bringing you another interview. We actually recently had the opportunity to sit down and speak with Lorena Corozais, who is the executive director at Mixteca, which is a community organization located in Brooklyn, New York, which is where we both are located. So very exciting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And before we play that interview for you, we will give you a little bit of background on the organization and their mission statement. And at the end of the episode, we're going to recap our thoughts on the interview and include a list of recommendations. It's maybe a little different than what we do in the past, but it's more recommendations on how you can support Mixteca. So a little bit about Mixteca. From their website, they state Mixteca Organization Inc. is a community-based organization located in Sunset Park, which is a, a neighborhood here in Brooklyn. It was established in 2000 by a group of concerned community members to address critical needs in health, education, social and legal issues facing the burgeoning Mexican and Latin American immigrant community in Brooklyn. Yeah, the beginnings of Mixteca can be traced back to the story of HIV AIDS in the United States. While the distribution of information about AIDS was on the rise in the United States by the mid-90s, immigrant communities, especially Latinx communities, still had high rates of infection and a general lack of ignorance of the disease. 
In fact, New York City was one of the areas in the U.S. with the highest number of Latinx people infected with HIV and AIDS. Yeah, in 1991, Dr. Gabriel Rincon, actually, he recognized the, the lack of information available in Spanish, and he decided to take action by organizing talks about HIV AIDS and its risks, forms of prevention and treatments. In the year 2000, together with Facundo Mendez and Alejandra Rodriguez, Rincon decides to formalize this activity and obtains official status for Mixteca Organization, Inc. The thought was that a non-governmental, non-profit community center makes the work more efficient and achieves the greatest impact in the Mexican and Latin American immigrant communities in Brooklyn. Mixteca is a meeting place for people of different origins who are looking to create a community where thousands of Latino, Latina, Latinx families can, uh, can find support, information, and the resources that permit them to progress and navigate New York City. I love that. Yeah. Again, according to their website, they state Mixteca's mission is to empower the Mexican and Latin American immigrants of the New York area by providing them access to services that enhance their quality of life and will allow them to reach sustainable social and economic development. We offer a variety of programs and services that respond to the specific needs of immigrant families and aim to build a supportive environment for the growing Mexican and Latin American immigrant community. So that's just their, their mission statement itself. Mm -hmm. This is just a brief overview of the organization, but our interview with Lorena reveals so much more about what Mixteca has done, what it's doing right now, and what their plans for the future are. So without any further discussion, here is our interview with Mixteca's executive director, Lorena Cruzais. All right. Today we have with us the executive director of Mixteca, uh, Lorena Corosais. Did I say that correctly? Yes, you did. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, we're really interested in the organization. You know, we were looking at everything that, that you all do on your website and in the documents that you sent. So we just thought we'd, we'd start with a general question about you more specifically. You know, can you tell us a little bit about how you became involved with Mixteca and about your current role in the organization? Absolutely. I'll be happy to share that information. So I'm a Latina immigrant, originally from Mexico, from Mexico City, a big city, from one big city to another big city. <laughs> so I came here with a lot of dreams, like many other immigrants or most of the immigrants. And uh, I tried to revalidate my credentials. And it was really hard, even though I have two master's degrees in Mexico, here I couldn't work because I didn't have a license. And anyway, the story is really long there and uh, I won't take too much time on that part. But uh, I remembered one time in Mexico when I was switching from one job, I used to work in the government. And then I wanted to work with gender-based violence survivors and I'm a psychologist and a social worker now because after U.S., in order to get my license, I went to social work to MSW. And so I remember that time when I was trying to get involved in another more mindful uh, job in Mexico. And I just, I was like, I'm going to call the organization. First, I'm going to research the organization I want to work with. And then I'm going to start calling and then if you are familiar with Mexico City, Mexico City is a really big city. So I was traveling a lot and I decided just to work and to do whatever I have to do in my around me, like no more than an hour of commute. And that's a lot to say. In <laughs> and then uh, uh, I start calling organizations and I got the job that I wanted. So when I was here, I remember that experience and I was like, I'm going to research your organization. I want to work for it. And then I'm going to start calling and I can start mm -hmm. doing some volunteer job because I knew I was doing some informal work before the, that first call. And then 
I was like, I'm going to get into this organization and I start calling to be a volunteer. So I start working as volunteer in a hospital in Brooklyn. I start in a hotline in another place uh, working with enforced survivors of gender-based violence. My passion is there also. And then I was doing all that job and then I realized I want to do more, not just for one type of community, but for all the immigrant community. Mm -hmm. So I applied the same recipe. If, it's, <laughs> if it worked once and it worked twice, it did work <laughs> the third time. So I started looking for organizations that were working with immigrants and I found Mixteca. And actually, uh, I was in contact with Mixteca before because they invited me to, to present about gender-based violence with the Latinx community. So that was my previous contact with Mixteca. And then I applied for another position, not for the executive director, but for director of programs that at that time was available, and I didn't get it. And then they called me after the last executive director left and they were like, oh, we want to interview you. And they offered me the position of the executive director. And I was super happy and excited to be part of this amazing organization that I know much more right now. That's fantastic. I love that story. It's a, it's a short version of uh, all that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Lorena, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the services provided by Mixteca and what communities do you aim to assist? And also, like, how has uh, Mixteca evolved over its 20-plus uh, year history? Yeah, absolutely. So Mixteca has been around for 21 years already. It's like a in an adult already is mm -hmm. legally uh, they can, <laughs> we can drink legally now we are over 21 so Mixteca was founded 21 years ago uh, for community members that were really concerned with HIV and how it was manifesting in the Latinx community in Brooklyn but how this was interrelated with the community in Mexico, and in particular with La Mixteca Poblana. And uh, that it, it just happened that the founders were from that area in Mexico, and they were really familiar of many cases of HIV in the rural communities and also here. So they, they saw that big issue and they tried to do as much as they could at that time. So they start creating this organization. And this organization start with health or supporting the health from the community. And then it become extending health, still one of our main and core programs, health. And we've been working a lot on community health. We are really interested, not just in the medical field, but how the Latinx community relate with health or don't relate with their own health. The issues that we have around and uh, what we do in that area of health is exactly trying to build this community or these bridges between the medical field and mm -hmm. the community. So we have things like uh, tacos, tortas, and testing with COVID, when COVID-19 hits and hit really hard to our community. We knew, or the organization, I wasn't there at the beginning, but the organization knew already what to do when those things happen. It's like, it's a health crisis, what we can do to be together and to find ways to bridge the services to our community that we know is most of the time left out from the general conversation because it's like, it's really hard. So Mixteca is really good on reaching out the Latinx community. I always say, we don't do outreach. The community is usually reaching out to us for in, to address some of the needs they have. So it's health that we continue with the program. After they start working on health, they realize our community needs some services in mental health. 
Mm-hmm. And then they create two basic two programs, which is one for at that time where one from women survivors of gender-based violence. And that's why I got, I got connected and excited mm-hmm. and invited mm-hmm. at the time. And the other group is for people that have some interaction with uh, the legal system, criminal system. They did something like uh, they jumped the train, they mm-hmm. were involved with somehow with the legal system, and now they are in that system. So we create another group, or they create at that time another group to address that situation with these people and become the alternative for, for the legal system. I feel like it's our way to take them back and to say, mm-hmm. hey, it's, sometimes they don't have the information. They didn't know if they jumped the train, they're going to be involved in the legal system, mm-hmm. in the criminal mm-hmm. system. And other times, they have some beliefs, some ideas, they carry over from their own culture, and they do it here, like maybe related to education of children or the way they relate with their partners. So we can do something about it. So that group, those two groups are really, really amazing because there are those are big groups. When I started researching about Misteca, that was one of the things that impacted me the most. It's hard to work with Latino men all over, not just here in US, mm-hmm. in Mexico too. And, and I was really impressed when I saw these big groups of 20 or 30 people, 30 men attending the, the, the workshops in the groups and the support group. And I was like, okay, that's something interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's another, another part of the mental health. We have now, we use some healing techniques as well because we know is the way that our community connect with the mental health. We see or we hear health and mental health and immediately we put a barrier there and we say, oh no, mm-hmm. it's not for me. I'm not crazy. I'm not sick. It, Si me voy a morir, que sea por algo. If I'm going to, anyway, I'm going to die. So I won't take care of myself. So then building these bridges have been the key for for our community. So we have some workshops, for example, now that the weather starts changing, we do some about depression. We talk about winter blue. But if we just announce it like that, we won't have even one person (laughs) in our workshop. So the, the way to do it is like it's chocolate para levantar el alma, which is like mm-hmm. a, a, a workshop in how to make chocolate in the artisanal way, in the traditional mm-hmm. way, with the metate and cacao. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really good workshop that attacks for people because they feel uh, that that's something they understand. So they come mm-hmm. to that mm-hmm. one and then as we are working with the cacao, we we started talking about how our mood changes with the food, with the weather, mm-hmm. what we mm-hmm. can do to support each other, why it's mm-hmm. important, why this happened to all of us in winter, why mm-hmm. we feel mm-hmm. down in winter, <laughs> different than summer. And so yeah. it's our way. We do also, for example, piñatas or bordados with any mm-hmm. migration. So people are able to talk about their immigration story as they are learning how to make piñatas or they are doing some piñatas or as they are being in groups, sewing or doing something related to photography that we did one, mm-hmm. that photograph bordados, fotografía migrantes, like uh, mm-hmm. how they can be getting involved in talking about the story, because we believe, and I strongly, be- strongly believe, that as immigrants, even if uh, we immigrate the best way possible, the best way, mm-hmm. it's like it was a decision, we try to do it, even if we do that, we have a lot of losses that mm-hmm. we don't process. It's like mm-hmm. just thinking mm-hmm. on our favorite food, the streets that we used to walk, or anything or friends or families that are no no longer here with us as they were in the past. And I Mm -hmm. I believe like we just continue doing things. We don't Mm -hmm. stop and process. So that's exactly what we do in mental health. Mm -hmm. And as we were progressing, Misteca was adding other services like ESL classes. We realized 
or community need ESL classes, but so particular. Like maybe they, uh, they learn English as a second language, but as they are learning how to apply for the driver's license, mm -hmm. something they want and they need attached to some other skill that are building at the same time. Same thing with the computer classes or the college access. Many of our community members believe they can go back to the college or mm -hmm. the children's, they don't know how to support them. They don't understand the taxes in part of how mm -hmm. the children are going to apply to college. So we do the uh, college readiness as well. We mm -hmm. are working right now after the pandemic on some other like co-op for them because we know they have challenges on their immigration status. And sometimes they don't have the, their employment authorization. So what they can do, what can they do to, to continue working and to make a living? So that's education. And the final one is like going across the, all the three of them and it's immigration. Mm -hmm. So on immigration, many of our community members have been like victims of fraud. They, they try to regulate, to, to, make, to change the, the legal status and it's really hard and they are victims of fraud for many people. So we do workshops on Know Your Rights, we, we have two important groups there, that is one is the advocacy group, and the second one is the youth advocacy group. We realized that the second generation that was, were born here, they don't know how to manage between these two mm -hmm. worlds. Mm -hmm. It's like sometimes they live like they don't have employment authorization or regal, regular status here, but they are the ones like they become the parents of the parents because mm -hmm. they are the ones that have to translate. They are the mm -hmm. ones that have to, yes. to let them know whatever. And then they become isolated because in order to become part of the world they, they born in, they have to act some certain way. And in order to be part of the Latino community, they have to act in a different way. So we work this is the youth advocacy group helping mm -hmm, others mm -hmm. to get into the resources available for their parents. And I always said, working at Misteca is like you're always going to find someone that reminds you, your tío, your tía, someone mm -hmm, that reminds mm -hmm. you some familiar person in your life. And that's really a key. We work at Misteca in the intersection of those four areas. So mm -hmm. we don't work like health and that's it, or immigration, mm -hmm. we combine right. them. It's like, I think uh, the immigration and sewing class is a perfect mm -hmm. example mm -hmm. of that one. Or yeah. we used to have one on learning about your rights through a different workshop, painting workshop, or mm -hmm. that's our way to work with the community and to, and we, we are really good. We have been growing. Misteca mm -hmm. is growing really a lot with the COVID-19 and the uh, social media. So we've been growing our social media presence because right mm -hmm. now, no just people from Brooklyn or from New York City or from New York State, mm -hmm. from other states as well, mm -hmm. services from Misteca. And, and mm -hmm. that combination between the... For example, the medical, the, the mental health services, we have social workers with license and we have people that are community workers. And uh, that's mm -hmm. the way we work here at Mystica. Yeah. So it's about like incorporating the, the, the their cultural knowledge and also like uh, uh, promoting yeah, a holistic, holistic approach to all these uh, services. Exactly. Right? It's like really finding the way to find the, the strong the, str the strengths we have in our roots mm -hmm. and being uh, with the indigenous roots and mm -hmm. with different mm -hmm. groups. And yeah. instead of saying, no, I don't want to be this person that is like uh, marginalized in this society. And then I want to become this uh, American person or mm -hmm. living in the US and losing the power and losing that history. So we got... Yeah. Like there is it's about embracing strength. their own identity, embracing right? who we are, what mm -hmm. we are bringing instead of mm -hmm. feeling ashamed of who we are, because mm -hmm. we know 
around us is a lot of shame and a lot of discrimination and a lot of things that happen to our community that is really hard. So it's super hard for some of our community members just to make an appointment with the doctor. Yeah. During mm-hmm. COVID, we experienced many things there, like they couldn't get medical attention because they were immigrants. And they mm-hmm. and they say they don't say anything to me, but I see how they they take in people with insurance. And because I don't have insurance, they never they don't pay attention to me or they Mm -hmm. just make hard for me to get the services I need at that point. So Mm -hmm. COVID was really a a turning point for many of our Mm -hmm. community members. And then we extend our services because our community needed. And we have another kind of a project with this rapid response. So we provide food for our community every Saturday but it's also tailored in the same values and ideas. Uh, that means the food is food that our community is familiar with. Mm-hmm. It's not just giving food to the community. It's giving food that they know and they know what to do with that food. It's like mm-hmm. that. It was, if, if the box is full of eggplants, kale, it's healthy food, but it's still not the food that our community is mm-hmm. like, what are I going to do right. with this one? What do I do with I it? I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. But if you put over there some zucchini, cilantro, tortillas, mm-hmm. and you, you put some eggs, everyone is happy. And now they can do something with the kale and the other items as well if they receive a recipe for that one. But so... Yeah. That's another part that we do here at Visteca. I love what you were saying about the, for the youth engagement. I think a lot of our students will resonate with that idea of having to do the translation and and interpreting for their parents. Um, This season of our podcast is focusing specifically on Latinas, women in the community. So we're wondering, you know, what are some of the ways in which Mixteca supports the specific needs of Mexican and Latin American women in particular in the community? That's really, I love that question because uh, Mixteca is uh, almost 100% Latina immigrant woman-led organization. Mm-hmm. Easy mm-hmm. to say, not easy to do. So we open the possibilities to hire people intentionally because we know that Latinas are making less money, are, they have less possibilities to get the job, and Mixteca become the place when you can, when a Latina can learn. It's like we have the youth program last summer, and we were really focusing on providing some skills like this is our community as well. So they are helping us, but maybe we can help them with college readiness. They're going to be mm-hmm. going to college really soon. How can we support them? So we become like uh, the organization that they can come here. And in particular, if you are a woman, seeing, I, I, I truly believe that just seeing someone like them leading an organization, being the director of programs, being the director of finances, being whoever is there and being successful because Misteca has been tripled their funding in the last years. And we are all women and Latinas and we are able to mm-hmm. deliver. It's like, no, we are not just uh, funny and with a nice food and whatever. We also <laughs> deliver mm-hmm. the services. And I think it's another way to empower other Latinas. When they can see themselves into people that are doing, are making decisions. And uh, we have a lot of Latinas, a lot of youth in our food distribution program that come here and then they become a staff of Mixteca. They become someone that is working here. They start there helping us distribute food and then they become more involved and more involved. And the possibility is like I was like I did it when I came, I was like, if I, I, I seek for a job and they don't know what I can do in another country, they're going to look at me like she doesn't know. Mm. She doesn't know the system. So I can request a volunteer position 
and I can be a volunteer wherever and then they can see what I can do. And I think that's another important part for people. Mixteca is strongly supporting people that are doing volunteer jobs, internships. We have people even from Mexico that do internships here. It's an open space for people to grow. And I always feel like Mixteca is a perfect lab when you can mm -hmm. come and learn in a protected environment because mm -hmm. you know your sisters are there, they won't mm -hmm. judge you. So you mm -hmm. can learn, make mistakes, and you're going to be fine there, and they're mm -hmm. going to support. So that's exactly what we do with the Latinas. On top of the group of women we have, we have some leadership programs as well with women with Latinas as well. Love to hear yeah. that. Love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, talking about like this, uh, the intersection, right, of uh, gender and migration, I wanted to ask like how does Mixteca approach the, the issue of gender-based violence and migration, Yeah, the, the violence that comes with migration? Yeah, that's, that's my, my topic. That's something <laughs> that I'm really passionate about. And we, we know there are a lot of work to do because the... If someone, if a woman decided to migrate to another place or abandon their own place, it's because something is happening there. And we know many of the Latinas are experiencing violence or are escaping violence on mm -hmm. their own countries. Yeah. And then experiencing violence again during the, the migration process and then experiencing violence again here. And because mm -hmm. the roles... And the gender roles sometimes are confusing because there are a lot of work to do around the gender roles. Yeah. Sometimes they got here and they believe because somebody's paying the rent, they just have to stay there. Or because it's the father of their children, they just have to stay there. And, uh, and what we do is a lot of workshops about gender-based violence, about self-care, about what can you do, but also about the resources that are going to support this woman, because we know that gender-based violence is not just one person being abused inside of their home. The environment is And as a matter of fact, before I came to Mistake, I was working in some research related to the violence that women are surviving or experiencing when they are seeking for job, which is like, I was looking into, I had this program called Artesanando, which was a way for survivors of, of domestic-based, of gender-based violence to get in a job, creating some, some art and craft or something like they, their own small business. And then I was looking for information and I couldn't find information related to specifically to Latinas and sexual violence. And they were sharing experiences like, oh, I was looking for a job, but they told, they gave me the job, but I have to do this and I have to do that. Otherwise I'm going to lose the job. So this idea of I'm going to get to US and then be happy ever after, it's not the reality that all mm -hmm. Latinas experience. So our job is also related on the intersection, what the rights are at job, what is abuse, and sometime, sometimes going with the basics, different types of abuse, because many of our community members understand, understand abuse, just a physical abuse. And they don't mm -hmm. see the financial abuse, they don't see the sexual mm -hmm. assault, during the marriage, they don't see the, the emotional abuse and another type of abuse that they can experience when they are seeking for a job. And then that's part of our job, like being aware of increasing awareness in our community of all these type of abuses and the resources available for them to, to leave the abusive relationship. And that's and that's something that we do often. We have groups for women that are survivors or they are experiencing. We support them with resources in terms of going to shelter or finding another counseling services here or another place or finding places. We become, I feel sometimes like our office is a bodega. This is a foreign <laughs> place. 
because we have <laughs> diapers, we have clothes, we have food, we have, and I'm like, that's <laughs> not exactly what we do. But we know our community needs all those services. It's impossible for a woman to live in an abusive relationship if they don't have the resources available. And that was one of my first questions. So I was so naive thinking like when I came from Mexico, I'm going to get to work in another place when all the resources is going to be, are going to be available for a woman when they decided to leave. And, and I was in a training when I just arrived and, and I asked, oh, what the real resources are. Because if, if I ask for the resources, they can send me a list of resources, three, three pages or more. But I was like, I want to know the real ones, the ones that really are going to support this person to leave the abusive relationship. And they just laugh at me like, oh, uh, uh, <laughs> like, oh Gosh. how can I tell her like the reality is the same here in Mexico and Europe? Mm-hmm. All, all survivors of gender-based violence experience more violence when they try to leave. That's a reality. For you to be able to to come into there and say, okay, well, this is important to me. I'm going to help create these resources. And I think that's fantastic. You talked about the volunteers that you have that sort of move up and get hired by uh, by Mixteca for, for more permanent positions. You know, can you talk a little bit about your staff and, and your volunteers? Like, how did they help the organization thrive? I mean, I feel like you, you've mentioned many things that the organization does, but I, I'm, I'm interested in knowing how the different volunteers yeah. and staff help with that. Yeah, for example, we have one group. It's called the Promotoras Group. It's a leadership program we have. There are members of the community. They become involved in this leadership program for three months, and then they become a promotora. They are the ones helping us to go to places and to neighborhoods that maybe they won't accept us. But they are part of those communities, indigenous communities, Mm. uh, LGBTQ communities, communities that maybe are more, have been more damaged, and so they they don't trust even Mixteca. So they are the ones helping. So right now, in that process, right now we have some promotoras that become staff members. So, and they are the ones knowing the the community, knowing they are part of the community. Most of our staff live in Brooklyn. We are based in Brooklyn. Most of our staff live in Brooklyn. I don't, but (laughs) many of them, they do it. So they are part of the staff and we have uh, people that are documented. We have people in our staff. We have people also that are part for the workers cooperatives and they are staff members. We find a way to provide, to bring those resources and not because we are nice and good people. No, because we act what we said we're going to do. It's intentional, intentionally working that way to offer that, that possibility. We also have a person who was in the advocacy group and now is a staff member because they they are really passionate. If you speak with other people at Misteca, you want to hear in the reason why you work at Misteca is because they are passionate about what we are doing, because they are part of the community, because they want to change the community we served, because we, as we change other people's life, we also change our, our own reality. And we see what we wanted to see in the Latinx community. We want to see mm-hmm. an organization that is welcoming everyone, that won't judge, that is going to treat you with respect, with the, all these values that we used to have in our pueblos, in our little villages, that you know where to go, you know how to ask. We become like that. Misteca, we said, is the second home of the Latinx community because they can come here and stay. And we have, for example, one children, he was like 12 or 11, and he, he came initially to just to print some stuff. He's a neighbor, and he's like, oh, can you print this for me? It's for school, and sure. And then he came every single day, every single day. And he was 
I want to help you answering the phone. No, I want to answer. Mm -hmm. And here's the key. And I'm like, okay, you can help. <laughs> How about if you help us packing masks or packing something else or flyers? Because maybe the phone calls are a little hard, but he was like really getting involved. It's like you feel like you are getting something from the organization. You want to give it back. Exactly. So yeah. Our staff is all our staff are members of the community, are immigrants, are women. They have been involved. We used to have one person that started being here with her mom when she was seven. And then she was our administrative assistant. And I'm happy to say that she found another job now. She's mm -hmm. finishing college. She found another job and she left, but she stayed with Misteca for many, many years until she was like ready to go to the next level. So mm -hmm. another part that we intentionally do is to look at the salaries and to offer the best salary we can offer for the, for the person that's coming up. We know we have to do more work because, you know, mm -hmm. funding for Latinas, Latina organization is not easy it's really hard yeah. but with for any non-profit but yeah, yeah. but definitely yeah. like for latino yeah. non-profit latino non-profit it's, it's it's more complicated it's i guess complicated it's so complicated but anyway we work really intentional on that part we have a special package that we do like a launch and learn once a month that we provide some stipend for for internet that we offer like the week of uh, between Christmas and New Year off. We try to do, to compensate somehow for Misteca to be not just your volunteer place, but also a place that you are getting access to the wealth. That's our mm -hmm. final goal. If you ask me where I see Misteca in five years, I want our staff to stay because they are passionate but I want them to stay also because they are making a good money. I want that. I want, it, I want them to say, oh, I'm staying in Mixteca because I'm making a really good money. And, <laughs> and I love to be there and making them amazing. And we are not at that level yet, but we are trying. Yeah. 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 Talking uh, our podcast uh, name is Latinx Vision and, and, and our idea is also like to showcase yeah, uh, visions for the future. And you started like uh, uh, presenting some of those like positive changes. But I wanted to ask formally, yeah, what future does uh, a Mixteca ambition for Mexican, Central American and Latinx people in New York City? If I, I will love for Mixteca not to be needed. Mm -hmm. uh, because <laughs> it's like, uh, if we, they don't need our services, that means the government is doing what they have to do. If uh, non-profits, uh, we are like uh, the band-aid of the, the government not doing their job and we have mm -hmm. to do it ourselves. Yeah. But... I would love for our community to be respected in terms of how we move, how to organize and how to demand what is, is a right to have in that terms, like not to need to be in, in the program that is going to support you to know your rights because you know your rights because nobody is like uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. violating your rights in that sense. But that's my ideal dream, like mm -hmm. my idea. And then my goal is for Misteca to, in, in like a really tangible way, to have a building when we can have all the services. I, we try to offer the space as welcoming as possible, but we have limitation. Like uh, the sound is not the best. So I really want organizations and all people to receive the, the quality of services they deserve, no less than that. It's like if you are attending a counseling services, you receive the counseling services, not just with someone that knows you, knows your culture, is going to do their best to support you, but also this in a space that is beautiful, that mm -hmm. is like uh, when you when I enter to those buildings from the government for a training, I'm like, wow, <laughs> I just can't imagine Miss Eka here 
with all this view <laughs> from the river, with these intelligent <laughs> elevators, with all these things. And I'm like, why cannot, we cannot have access to this one? Why the world? I mean, I know many whys, but <laughs> it's like, that. how can we address those whys for mm-hmm, us mm-hmm. to access to that quality of services? That's my my vision. And I think we can do it. And another part is like really pushing education. If this is going to be listened by youth, it's like the percentage of PhDs in the Latinx community is so low that when you see the graphic, you need like a magnifier glass <laughs> to look yes. at. Yes. It's like no. we, need to be, <laughs> we need to be on the table to make decisions and we won't be able to do it if we are not in the politicians seat into the researchers seat because that's another part there is a disconnection and i'm sorry to say that I'm, i know you from cuny but there is usually a disconnection and I'm, that's why i was so happy to to be in this podcast because it's usually a disconnection between someone with the last name, like whatever, 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 trying to learn and to support our community. And I'm like, we can support each other. We just don't open the doors for us to do it. It's like mm-hmm, there are so mm-hmm. many barriers for us to be in there. So mm-hmm. important for us to be in the academia, to be leading organizations, to be taking more seats in the political possible seats that we can get. And in that way, we're going to transform the way. And I think sharing our stories is powerful. It's like mm-hmm. I, I, that's why I, I, I honestly receive a lot of requests. Can you help us? Can you? And I'm like, usually pass them. Like, I pass this one. And when I read yours, I was like, yes, yes, I want to share the story of Misteca with people that can see themselves in Mixteca, can, can be the next EDs, can be the mm-hmm. next uh, assembly person, can be the next mm-hmm. president, can be the next director, yes. dean of the university, mm-hmm. can be the next mm-hmm. person that really can see. And, and the part is like they are not alone. And we are not mm-hmm. alone. We are able to accomplish what we had accomplished now because others have been working really hard for us to be here. So in that term, it's like, how can we work hard to do our part for the other ones that are coming behind us, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the teenagers, the children, the people that are, the, or, or the, the elderly that also wanted to go to school, because I think that's also important. It's like, uh, I'm going to complete my PhD, even if I do it in wheelchairs. <laughs> so I don't care. I want to do it. It's just like that. I think it's a mission that I have because I feel like it's part of my my responsibility, my social responsibility of doing it. And uh, and because I like academia as well. So <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah. I love that, you know, that idea of kind of like having us join these these two communities. They don't need to be exclusive of one another and they shouldn't be. And, and that's part of what we're trying to do with the podcast as well. So I am very excited for our students to hear this episode and maybe uh, reach out or anything to, to you all. Before we wrap up, because you know, we appreciate you stayed on with us so long. Um, is there anything that you wanted to add that we didn't ask about? I mean, I feel like you talked about a lot, but I just want to give you this opportunity if there's something we didn't mention. Maybe the part of the community, we have one community fridge outside, even though I think I touch a lot about community, but the community support, one one that that I learned here is I don't have to be volunteer for nine to five, five days a week. I can Mm -hmm. volunteer one hour of my time a month. And when I realize that hour can be impactful in the life of other people and is also to build up my community that it's really more appealing and a perfect perfect example of that one is our community fridge so we have a community fridge outside organization mm-hmm. and people take and pour stuff there the entire day is i feel like that fridge 
tells the story of our community mm -hmm. and the way that we can support each other and, and how we, we don't need to be wealthy to donate uh, a package of tortillas or, mm -hmm. or so something or a leftover dinner. Sometimes I'm like, that. you may can wrap nicely your leftover dinner with care and love and put it in the fridge because we have people living on the street that are going to be mm -hmm. really happy getting a cook, home cooked meal. So you can do that part and that's impactful. So maybe being aware of the impact we can have and that doesn't have to be transformation, radical transformation start for small acts, like constant small act of kindness and mm -hmm. to care for mothers. And that's, that's what I, I would say in terms of the community. And I think as Latinos or Latinas, we have all that community. We just, this system, in this system, sometimes we forget who we are, but we are so used to that one. We are so used to, we have that in our, in our bodies, just like to reactive, just to push that button and it become again. And that makes us really happy. It's like I see the volunteers being so happy. I saw people mm -hmm. opening the fridge and saying, ah, they, they took the pizza I, I brought last <laughs> time. Oh, and yeah, I'm yeah. like, of course, of course. <laughs> Lorena, if uh, our listeners or our students are interested in volunteering, what can they do? Yeah, what are the steps to like be a volunteer at Mixteca? They can log in into Mixteca.org and there are volunteer opportunities there. They can fill out a form. They can get in contact with us or they can call us. But I think they follow us in social media. We always post over their Instagram or uh, Facebook. We are a lot mm -hmm. on Facebook because all communities on Facebook The younger community is in Instagram, but mm -hmm. the elder community is on Facebook. So we are between, yeah. <laughs> between those two words, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and whatever. But find us, Mixteca Organization Inc. or Mixteca Org in Instagram or, or Facebook. And they're going to find a way to reach us out, send us an email to our webpage. And we, we're going to respond to that one. And getting involved if I mean, the holidays are coming up mm -hmm. and it's really a perfect place maybe to be uh, part of the turkey drive or part of the pernil mm -hmm. drive that we mm -hmm. do for <laughs> Christmas yeah. or whatever they... Mm -hmm. Oh, all right. Well... I think that is, is everything that we had to ask you for today. We really, really appreciate the time that you've given us and we can't wait to share this episode with our students. So thank you so much again. I don't know, Rojo, if you had anything. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I think you summarized it pretty well. Yeah, but thank you so much. For us, it's really important to establish these links uh, uh, with the communities, with organizations who are doing the, 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 the work outside right? Uh, we're part of the Black and Latino Studies Department at Baruch College. So these are things that we, uh, all these topics are part of our curricula and our classes, but it's important and something that we want to convey to our students and our listeners is that also the importance of uh, thinking beyond the classroom and thinking beyond the readings and actually like engaging in a direct way, yeah, with the community. So it's fantastic to, to, to have you here, right? And, and engaging in conversation with us. Yeah, so thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, gracias. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Gracias a ustedes. Thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> so Rebecca, what do you think about our interview with Lorena? Honestly, I was blown away by the, the number and types of initiatives that Mixteca is involved in, right? In particular, the ways in which they listen to their community members and base their support on the needs of the people, right? They're doing it for the people, and it really seems to show. It's such a diverse collection of resources, you know, physical and mental health resources, adult education, immigrant rights, like all of this. And I 
was especially impressed by the ways in which they have responded during the last two years with all of the unexpected changes that were born out of the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, sort of having to switch on a dime like that. What about you? So I'm really interested in the way they incorporate Latin American cultures as part of their community service. They're instilling the idea that you don't need to erase or hide your cultural formation to be in the city and the U.S. at large. Uh, By doing this, they're establishing that our cultures, languages, and distinct knowledge are valuable and vital to our survival, physical, and mental well-being. I also thought that the way they frame difficult conversations around topics like mental health was brilliant. For instance, I think that to invite people to share their experiences and decompress through the activity of preparing and drinking chocolate caliente is fantastic. Uh, It avoids alienating people through clinical jargon and or stigmatizing those who are working toward better states of mind. Yes. I mean, that's really the goal, right, is is to have this sort of like we're just a community. We're talking and supporting one another. And if it helps in these more clinical ways, fantastic. But we're not going to pose it that way so that it is accessible to all. Yeah, and we're speaking our languages, right? Uh, our way of understanding the world is important for us, yeah? And, and in order to establish that connection with the community, that, to, that reflection is really important. So I was like uh, really impressed by that intention from uh, Lorena and from the organization at large. All right, so we want to wrap up our episode with our recommendations. I mean, that's sort of our usual go-to. And and traditionally, we recommend, you know, other films, other television shows or books that you might be interested in checking out. But we really wanted to highlight Mixteca specifically this time around. So our recommendations are a little bit different, right? We recommend that you get involved with Mixteca and support them however you're able. You should really check out their website. It's mixteca.org. We'll have the link in the show notes. And click on Get Involved up at the top to find the different ways in which you can engage with this fantastic organization. If you are looking for an employment opportunity with a nonprofit which seeks to support sustainable livelihoods for Spanish-speaking immigrants, regardless of status, they have a few open positions available on their website. And I imagine they they update them as needed. So, you know, if you don't find something that works for you right now, go and check back in like a month or so and see if anything has changed. You could also have the opportunity to volunteer with Mixteca, right? As Lorena told us, you don't have to give much. You know, even if you're only available one hour each month, that's something. And and this is something that um, Carla Cornejo Villavicencio mentioned too, is like, you know, big changes start with small actions. And Mixteca has a number of volunteer opportunities, including, but but definitely not limited to community health volunteers, administrative assistants, uh, working in community outreach. You could be a volunteer receptionist. And there are opportunities for involvement in special events, instruction, and advocacy groups. So there's so much. Yeah, they're looking for educators. So so people who, who, who would like to teach classes and support Mixteca in that way should like reach out to them. Finally, if you don't have the time to give at the moment, but may be able to help financially, they have a number of initiatives that you can help support, including food justice support, a vision fund, COVID-19 relief, and the funding of special events. Yeah. And if you're a student who's listening and you might be considering a place for an internship, definitely consider Mixteca. Well, they don't have any official internship positions listed on their website. Lorena does encourage students to reach out if you're looking for an opportunity. You can reach out via email at info at mixteca.org or check out any of their social media accounts. They're on Facebook at facebook.com Mixteca Organization and on Twitter and Instagram as well at Mixteca.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode and it inspires you to look into the ways in which you can be involved with Mixteca or your own local Latinx community organization. Thank you for joining us on our first season. What do you think? Share your thoughts with us. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Latinx Visions. You can send us a message on either of those accounts or email us at latinxvisions at gmail.com. 
We plan to include feedback and reactions in our season two episode. So we've got, we will have a little bit built up by, by the time we get to that. And we'll, we'll sort of include that in our episode wrap ups. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever else you get your podcast. Share us with your friends and family. Subscribe and leave a five-star review. We'll be taking a little bit of time off between seasons one and two to engage with our students' final projects and the holidays, like we mentioned. But we do hope to post some student episodes of the podcast in the interim, so be on the lookout for those. And then be sure to join us again next semester as we focus our investigations on Afro-Latinidad. Estamos a la escucha until 2022. Felicidades. Dale, until next year. Until next year.